Welcome to Fearful, the podcast that takes you on a thrilling journey through the world of mysteries, paranormal phenomena, and all things terrifying. We will explore eerie tales of haunted places, unsolved crime, inexplicable events, and supernatural encounters. So embrace the fear and unravel the mysteries that lie beyond. My name is Jacko, and this is Fearful. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Curiosity is an interesting thing. It can warp the mind of a perfectly logical person into risking something simply to see what might happen. The world is nothing without curiosity, though. Without it, one would not venture to find love, nor would they innovate to create a new technology. The world needs curiosity to breathe, for without it things would become stale and life itself may slowly rot away. Though it may be an important piece of humanity, that doesn't mean curiosity doesn't create havoc in its own right. In fact, it can push someone much further than they intend. And the results can often be absolutely horrifying. James Sligo Jameson was born on the 17th of August in 1856 in Aloha, Scotland. He would be a part of a long historical line that still thrives to this day. You see, James is the great-grandson of John Jameson, the very same man who would found the infamous Dublin Whiskey Distillery, John Jameson and Son. If you walk into an establishment to buy any alcoholic beverage to take home with you, you can be sure that they almost certainly sell Jameson whiskey behind the counter. But that is neither here nor there. 
James was the heir to the Jameson fortune, but would not see the day to take it over. His endeavors never led him to continuously be watching over the spirits aging slowly in the oak barrels. No, he had an appetite for something else. James had a passion for traveling and seeing the world. He wanted to bear witness to the wonders that Mother Earth could provide and be a part of something few people in his time had the luxury of experiencing. James would devote his life to traveling and in such would bring home trophies and keepsakes as memorabilia and, of course, bragging material. But an appetite for exploration often leads down a dark, dark path. As the saying goes, after all, curiosity killed the cat. After making his way through parts of the world like Southeast Asia in 1878, South Africa a couple years later, the Rocky Mountains after that, and Spain and Algeria to follow, he would find himself joining the Amin Pasha relief expedition led by the renowned explorer Henry Morton Stanley. They were heading into the territory of what is now the Democratic Republic of the Congo in January of 1887. It was on this trip that James Jameson's curiosities would get the better of him and lead to a very dark experience. There are three different individuals that would recount the story from this trip. James himself, his wife later recounting through his documentation, and of course second-hand accounts through James. And the third individual would be a translator. Each would tell a bit of a different story of the tale. However, they do agree that it was June in 1888 when James was in the deep heart of the Congo at a local trading post. Stories of tribes, the locals and their culture were being told and shared between anyone who was willing to listen. James, being the adventurer he saw himself as, was one who kept his ear perched for interesting tales and pieces of information. One rumor in particular would pique his interest. It was to his understanding that cannibalism was a practice to some of the native tribes in the area. Cannibalism. Could it be true? It was not something he had ever come across before. Only stories were told in books of such things. But here he stood amongst the thick jungle of an unknown culture, accompanied by those who allegedly practiced the horrific ways. 
James wondered if it was true. Could this really be the reality? He was certainly intrigued and wanted to find out more information. He spoke to a man who was helping him on this trip. The man's name was Tipu Tip. He was known as a slave trader in the area and a local fixer. What was said between these two men is generally debated. But, according to a man by the name of Assad Faran, who was said translator on the trip, James expressed interest to Tipu in seeing cannibalism firsthand. James's account tells that he didn't actually believe cannibalism was taking place, no, he thought it was more of a joke or a prank that was being told to scare him and others in his party. Then from there it just grew and grew as a simple rumor. Whether he thought of it as a joke or not, when questioned, Tipu told James to give him six of his handkerchiefs and he would show him cannibalism firsthand for him to witness. With this proposal, James sent off a helper to retrieve the six requested handkerchiefs and handed them to Tipu, who then took them and walked away in the other direction. Reportedly, Tipu took the handkerchiefs along with his trading skills and approached the local village tribe's chief. In return, for the six pieces of fabric the chief agreed to make a trade. A trade for a ten-year-old slave girl. According to the translator Assad, Tipu the chief and the girl went back and approached James. The chief would then say to the villagers present, quote, This is a present from a white man who wishes to see her eaten. The young girl was stern as she was marched towards a nearby tree and ropes bound her tightly to it. All the while villagers were gathering round gathering knives and sharpening them in the process. Before long, one of the villagers quickly moves forward, knife in his hand, and stabs her two times in the abdomen. After the first blood was drawn from the young girl, things moved very quickly as more approached her and began to dismember her body while she was still alive. In James's own diary and his own words, he wrote, quote, Three men then ran forward and began to cut the body of the girl. Finally, her head was cut off and not a particle remained, each man taking his piece down to the river to wash it. Both him and the translator Assad agreed on another account. The young ten-year-old girl who was cannibalized in front of their very eyes 
never screamed once through the ordeal of her own death. Again, using the words of James himself from his very diary, he wrote, quote, The most extraordinary thing was that the girl never uttered a sound, nor struggled until she fell. During the gruesome act, James would watch closely and examine carefully. Assad tells of how James had taken out his notebook and was making quick sketches as the young girl's body was being cut into pieces and taken away. He took his sketches back to his tent afterwards and began detailing them as he recounted every single visceral detail in his mind. James doesn't deny this happening either. His diary once again reads, quote, When I went home, I tried to make some small sketches of the scene while still fresh in my memory. As I mentioned already, James's wife would later tell of a bit of a different tale on the situation one where he did not take the situation seriously and assumed it to be a simple joke of some sort. But if that is the case, it does not explain why he agreed to the payment of the six handkerchiefs, nor does it explain why he let the young girl get tied to the tree and dismembered in front of him. And it does not explain why he sat back and simply made sketches in the process. While it cannot be proven his true intentions, it is likely that the account of him knowingly paying to see the cannibalistic act firsthand is true. Accusations of the atrocious actions would make their way home before James himself ever could. And perhaps it was karma catching up with him, but James would die before ever making it home. It would be a month after the incident, on July 19, 1888, that James would die of hematuric fever. The story of what happened was attempted to be hushed by the Jameson family. However, it was never kept in the dark, primarily thanks to the interpreter we talked about, a man by the name of Assad Faran. A man who refused to stay silent on the actions of James and told the world just what this horrific man did.